Well, turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. You look so much better than you did last week. That's a compliment. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to, oh, let me mention this. This Tuesday, we're having prayer meeting. If you're at all, if, you, if you're able to come out, please come out uh, for that. I want to specifically cover the nation in prayer that God's hand will be on this nation. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we ask you to speak to us. God, I humble myself before you. God, let me decrease so you can increase. And God, speak to our hearts today and declare to us, your purpose and your will. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, I want you to look at one another. Just say this with me. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And I'm not about to break out into a song. <laughs> so that, let me relate what's happening. The, the Bible says... Isaiah records, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, that he saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, which gives the implication that he had not seen God that way before. Jewish tradition records that Isaiah was Uzziah's nephew. So if you will, the prophet's uncle is sitting on the throne and it appears that Isaiah can't see God on the throne until he gets his uncle off the throne. How many of you understand that sometimes there are relationships in our lives that we need to get off the throne and let God have the throne? Anytime a relationship becomes more important to you than God is, you've placed that relationship on the throne and you've dethroned God. Sometimes we do it not even recognizing we're doing it. And so when Uzziah dies, Isaiah sees God seated on a throne high and lifted up, but it goes further than that. It said that his, the, the train of his robe filled the temple. I want you to imagine for a moment this sanctuary being the temple and someone's garment, robe, literally covering this entire sanctuary. Can you imagine how big that is? How huge that was? It's symbolic of the fact that God is saying, I've got you covered. That when I come into the temple, I fill that temple and I've got you covered. But it means more than that. It means that there's no room for anybody else to be worshipped in the temple. Now, let me take it a little bit further with you and make it a little bit more personal. Paul said, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of God? Everybody say, right here's the temple. And God's saying, there's no room for anybody else in your heart to worship except me. And I want my glory to fill the temple. I want you to allow me to fill that temple. And when I do, you're not going to have to worry about anything because I got you covered. Somebody say it. He's got us covered. In that moment when all this takes place and he is, he's seated 
on the throne. You know, sometimes I think we wrestle with where our focus is at. How many of you have ever had to wrestle with your focus? Raise your hand if you've ever been to uh, the Rocky Mountains. Hold your hand up if you've ever been to the Rocky Mountains. Hold your hand up if you've ever been to any mountains. Hold them high if you've ever been to any mountains. I mean that we're really, I'm not talking about hills. I'm talking about mountains. If you've been up in some mountains, hold, hold them way up. When we went to the mountains, I, I took my family in 2011. We went to the Rocky Mountains uh, on vacation. And so we were driving through the Rockies. We went to Yellowstone. We, we went through the Grand Tetons. We did all this. And we went at the end of May, and it was snowing. At the end of May, there was still snowing. As a matter of fact, they had parts of Yellowstone shut down with avalanche warnings. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I've never seen an avalanche. <laughs> and, and so there was one thing that was understood before we went on this vacation. Only one person would be behind that wheel. Now, look, I didn't vote for myself. My children said, if we go, you're the only one that drives. <laughs> Why? Because that's not the first time we've been to the Rocky Mountains. We went with a friend one time. And the fr man, he'd been there several times, and the friend really knew those mountains. But we really had a hard time keeping his eyes on the road. <laughs> Oh, did you see that over there? And it was like, and the kids were about to pass out. You know, if, if you don't keep your eyes on. There's a story about an American that went on a primitive African safari. When he went in, uh, when he got on that safari, his guide took him out in the bush and he has a machete and he is chopping and hacking away at vines and underbrush. And the American got real nervous and, and fearful and frustrated. And he, he looked at the guy and he said, man, he said, where are we? He said, do you, do you even know what you're doing? He said, what's going on? Where's the path? The guy put the machete down. He stood up. He turned around. He looked at the American. He said, I am the path. Do you understand? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't need to have your eyes on everything else. You need to get your eyes on Jesus because if you don't keep them there, you're going to veer off the road. Any of you ever do that before? How many of you have ever been driving and texting at the same time? Raise your hand, officer. You can't, it's, it's bad. I, I confess, I've, I, I, I hate to say it, but I've done it before. But I'm trying, I'm, I'm breaking the habit. I, I slap my hand. Don't do that. Everybody say, don't do it. It's honestly, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. All it takes is an instant of getting your eyes off of the road and on your text and it can take your eyes off the road for the rest of your life. Now, let me implicate something here. It just takes a moment, folks. The devil is very, very cunning. And he knows that the best way to get you to give up on God is to get your eyes on someone or something else. And so he tries his best for your attention. Everybody say, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Debbie used to, can you come up here just a second real quick? Debbie used to, man, used to creep me out when we were, when we were dating. She had this, I, I called it the evil eye. And she could, I, I, think, I think my daughter inherited this from her. But she said, I don't know if they can even see this. Zoom in on her face if you would. But zoom in, zoom in on her face. Look, look, at, look, at, look at the camera. Look at the camera. Now, I want you to give, you know, come in a little closer than that. I can, come on in. There you go. Okay. Okay, now, now, give him the evil eye. <laughs> Man, she would do that. Give her a hand. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Don't do it. She would do that. She would do that. We'd be going down the road. We'd be going, driving down the road. And I get this. You ever had this feeling somebody was looking at you? Somebody was staring. I, I, I get this feeling. I'd look over there at her. She'd be doing that to me, man. And just, 
Don't do that. I'm telling you that the devil is trying to put the evil eye on you. That's got nothing to do with my wife. But the, 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 the devil is trying to distract you. He's trying to get you focused on everything except God. But if you can keep your focus on God, you mark my word, there's a whole lot of shaking that's going on. Now, stay with me here. When Isaiah focuses completely on God, nobody else is on the throne, and God's robe has filled the temple, now Isaiah is having an encounter with God himself. You need to understand something about me. If living for God had been about just going to church and sitting in a pew, I'd have never done it. There had to be a reality to God for me. There had to be something tangible about God. Say, well, pastor, I can't believe you're saying something like that. I mean, you want God to be tangible? Yeah. I mean, stop and think about it. If he created the heavens and the earth, are you telling me that he's just a figment of my imagination, that, that he's not someone that I can touch, that he's not someone that can touch me? He can, he can not only touch me, he created me and he made me. So I wanted a personal relationship with him. He had an encounter with God. And he sees God seated on the throne high and lifted up, but that's not all he saw. He sees fiery seraphim, guardian angels that are circling around the throne above God. And one is crying out to the other. These creatures are, I mean, when you study about them, they are fascinating. It's, and they stand patrol, they stand guard. And one is crying out to the other, and this is what they're saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Holy, holy, holy. And man, don't you know that when you see a, an angelic being like that, that is completely a blaze of fire, and what they're saying is that God is holy, how much more should I declare that he's holy, that he's wonderful, that he's mighty, that he's everlasting, that he's able? And the Bible said that their voice, that the cry that they made shook the very foundations of the temple. It says the post of the temple, but when you look at that in Hebrew, it's talking about foundation, threshold. The very thing that they're standing on begins to shake. Oh, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. You know, I was doing some study, and I found something out that... I think was fascinating. Everything is made of matter, and matter consists of molecules. So if, if you will, what you're setting on has a unique molecular structure. There's something else you need to know, is that every molecular structure, everything that's made has a corresponding vibratory movement. They talk about glass this way. They, they say about glass that glass has a, a, a resonate, there, there is a resonating sound. Everybody say a resonant frequency. And when you, like if you, if you take a crystal glass and you tap it, how many of you have ever done to tap it? You know, when I was in Russia, they, they were trying to sell me crystal, and they said, you know, of course, I'm, look, is this crystal or is this? And so they said, this is how you know it's crystal. And they took and they wet their finger, and they started going around the rim of that glass. And when they went around the rim of it, there was a resonant frequency that you could hear. When you hit that frequency that resonates with the vibratory movement of that glass, and you hit it long enough and loud enough, it will shatter that glass. And you don't have to be an opera singer to do it.
My name's Chase, and I live in California, and I'm gonna try to break this wine glass by only my voice. So now don't go home and get your mother's china out. <laughs> but I'm saying that that young man was so excited because he had successfully broken glass with his voice. Somebody say, there is a sound. <laughs> uh, I, I want you to get a hold of this because there, I, I believe with all my heart that we're getting ready to hear a sound unlike we've ever heard before that's not just going to sweep across this nation, uh, but is it going to move across this world uh, and we're going to experience revival. Uh, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I hear it in my heart right now. Uh, I sense it in my spirit. Uh, there is an awakening that has happened uh, and we are on the march. Everybody say, let it move. Not only can you experience that, that glass breaking or the temple shaking, but there was another sound that didn't just shake a building, it shook a mountain. If you would put that first shot up. This is Mount Sinai. Everybody take a good look at it. That's a mountain that God met Israel on. But on the day that he met them, something happened. It says, go ahead and get ready. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed. And a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn. And all the people trembled. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. It's okay. It's okay. A little louder. Go ahead. Now, thank you. Thank you. Take it with you. I'll call you back up in a minute. Now, think about this. That was his lips on it. That's not who was blowing it that day. He wasn't blowing it. Joshua wasn't blowing it. Moses wasn't blowing it. But heaven itself, the lips of God, <laughs> they're the lips God created. I don't know if it was a seraphim, I don't know if it was an angel, or I don't know if it was God himself, but all of a sudden, a trumpet blasted, it started getting louder and louder, and the Bible said, until the mountain itself started shaking. Do you understand that we serve a God that can shake everything? The Bible talked about that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, so that the only thing that remains are those things that can't be shaken. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, uh-uh, you're not shaking me. God may shake me. Heaven can shake me. But this world is not going to shake me. I'm getting ready to see God move like I've never seen him move before. 
I think about that, man, the power of God that showed up. And when that happened, hit it one more time, would you, from your seat? When that started sounding, look at the response of everybody. They start backing up, except Moses. And Moses starts going toward it. You need to ask yourself a question. Are you backing up or are you standing up? Are you backing down or are you standing out? God is looking for a folk, some people, a congregation, a son and a daughter that'll stand up and say, here I am, Dad. Here I am. The impact that that had on Joshua is it, it caused Joshua to want to hang around Moses. Do you realize that when you study Joshua's life, that every time Moses is in the tent meeting with God, Joshua's hanging outside the tent. And when Moses would go into the camp to tell everybody what God had said, where's Joshua? He's still hanging out by the tent. Because Joshua is saying, Moses, I love you. But I want an encounter for myself. I want God to speak to me the way that I've seen him speak to you. How many of you are hungry for an encounter of God that nobody can take from you, nobody can talk you out of, nobody can shame you out of, but you just get locked in and you know in your heart that this is God. Everybody say it with me. A whole lot of shaking going on. You know, there's just story of an elderly man and he had a violin with him and he was walking down the road and he's tuning the violin trying to tune the violin so you know he's going across the strings and it's he's turning the knobs and he come he came up on a bridge that was under construction still tuning and all the construction workers on that bridge started razzing him hey old man is that the best you can do on that thing Oh, boy, you belong in Carnegie Hall. Listen to him, guys. And they just kept razzing him until finally the old man had had enough. The old man turned around and he looked at all those men that were hanging on that bridge. And he smiled and he said, I think I'll fiddle your bridge down. They started laughing and all the time they're laughing, he's searching. <laughs> Tuning and searching until he found the sound that resonated with the frequency of that bridge. And when he did, he started laying down on that string back and forth until all of a sudden those men aren't laughing anymore because the bridge started moving back and forth. And those guys started saying, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. You need to understand everybody that's laughed at the church, everybody that's turned their head or turned their nose up to children of God are getting ready to experience God show up through his people in an unprecedented fashion. There's a sound that's going to well up inside of us that's going to cause a shaking in this earth unlike it's ever seen before. There's a lot of shaking going on. It's time for us. He told Paul, tells Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Everybody say, it's about a sound. You ever have a sound get on your nerves? I was it last week I was talking about me dragging the fork across my teeth because Debbie loved the sound. <laughs> she couldn't stand it. She, oh, don't do that. Go ahead, show me that evil eye one more time. <laughs> there is a sound. And if we can find the right sound, there's some shaking getting ready to happen. He's working on it. <laughs> now, stay with me here. Paul is very religious. Everybody say he's religious. Matter of fact, when he was religious, he was known as Saul. He's so religious that he feels like 
nobody else has got more than he's got. So he starts attacking people that are worshiping Jesus. To the point that he has them put in prison and put to death. Paul was getting ready to find out that when God shows up, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. He's on his way to Damascus to get letters that give him authority and permission to go and bind people and throw them in prison. And on his way, he, hear, he sees a bright light shine and he hears a voice. It's unique in the book of Acts because in the ninth chapter of Acts, it says that the men that were with him heard the voice, or this may be vice versa, and I think it's over in the 22nd chapter of Acts, where it says that they did not hear the voice. And so you look at that and you think, now wait a minute, here it says they heard the voice, and over here it says that they didn't hear the voice. And how many of you believe that the scripture is all true? Well, it still is. You have to look at the word. The word voice in Greek is phone. It's where we get our word telephone from. It means a voice or a sound. So the men with Paul heard the phone ringing. They heard the sound. But Paul got a person-to-person call from God. And all of a sudden when Paul got that call, it shook him to the point that he changed his life forever. How many of you ready for some shaking going on in your family? How many of you ready for some shaking going on in your community, in your world? Now, here's the deal. So, a lot of times we go, okay, God, shake them up. Just shake them up, God. Let them have it good. No, no, Paul realized something. Matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that's inside of you. That little boy's got that glass. Thank you. (laughs) I thought about continuing, but some of you are wearing glasses. (laughs) Paul hears that voice speak to him, and it shook him up. So Paul decides, why shouldn't we shake some things up? He told Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Watch what happens. Paul and Silas end up in a town, and there's a woman there that's, that, that has a spirit of divination, so she's able to foretell the future. And they're following Paul and Silas around yelling, these are men of the most high God, men of the most high God. And they, they, you know, and Paul gets done with it. How many of you have ever had somebody get on your last nerve? And all of a sudden Paul turns around and he rebukes not the woman, he rebukes the spirit in the woman and it leaves her. Well, when it left her, the guys that owned her lost all their profits, so they beat the snot out of Paul and Silas. Everybody say that's in the King James Version. I'm just trying to get you to be able to relate to what I'm saying. They just waylaid them, man. They beat them and then threw them in jail, arrested them. They're passed out in the floor of that jail cell. Paul wakes up and he's rubbing his eyes. Silas wakes up, he's checking teeth. Both of them bloodied and bruised. I can't help but think maybe Silas is looking at Paul and saying, man, I can't believe I let you talk me into going on this missionary trip with you. It's kind of like when I went on one one time and flipped a car. No, not really. It was a truck. So they're, they're beat up. They're in prison And you'd think they'd be discouraged, right? But Paul gets up and he starts wiping blood off of his mouth and I see a smile break out on his lips. And he starts doing something unusual. He starts moving it, swaying it, praying and singing. And as he starts to sing... Something starts to happen. I don't know what he was singing. If I could sing, I'd try it. (laughs) Maybe it was, 
like a bird out of prison that's taken its flight like a blind man that God gave back his sight like a poor wretched beggar who found fortune and fame I'm so glad that I found out he would bring me out and show me the way thank God that I'm free 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 from this world of sin I've been washed in the blood of Jesus been born again hallelujah I'm saved 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 by his wonderful grace I'm so glad that I found out he would bring me out and show me the way when they started singing the prison started shaking Paul found the right sound that engaged heaven in his situation <laughs> the, the the sound that Paul found was not complaint it was not discouragement it was praise and it was worship and it was singing and when Paul began to pray and sing and worship it rocked that jail and it didn't just open it up for Paul it opened it up for everybody somebody say with me there's a whole lot of shaking going on something you need to know about the song that I just attempted the man that wrote that song was a friend of mine Joel Hemphill sang the song and recorded it, but James McFall wrote it. I was talking to him about that song, and he told me, he said, Rick, he said, I was really at a crossroads in my life. He said, man, I was so discouraged. And I pulled up to a brick wall, and he said, I'm parked at this brick wall, and I got my hand on the steering wheel, and I was saying, God, are you there? Can you hear me? I need an answer from you. I know you. I need you to talk to me. And all of a sudden, he said, I looked up, and with God as my witness, I, I watched the words of that song start scrolling up that brick wall like television rights on a screen and I started writing them down it touched people around the world thank God that I'm free and you know what I'm still free he's still God and he's still able it's time to shake things up God is looking for someone that will stand up and say here I am after Isaiah experienced God high and lifted up. After he saw his robe fill the temple, after he felt the shaking of the foundation, he experienced God touch him. And he looked up and he said, here I am, God. Send me. Today, I want to attack your discouragement. I want to sound a voice that will cause your frustration to begin to tremble and shake in the presence of God. I want you to understand that God has not forgotten you, God has not left you, but God has a plan problem is we don't know what the plan is but can I tell you that he's still God and I still trust him and so I'm okay I'm okay and here's what I am telling you you better buckle up and get ready because there's a whole lot of shaking that's getting ready to happen and we're going to experience revival like we've never seen it before you say Pastor, I mean, but, but what about all this stuff? What about all this? I had somebody ask me last week. They said, do you think that the church will experience persecution? I said, the church has experienced persecution since it was born. Yeah. I said, but there's a difference between persecution brought on by man and the persecution and the wrath of God. Yeah. I said, now, there's something else that you need to understand that every time the church has been persecuted, it's thrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember... <laughs> I got a great analogy, but it's probably not a good one. How many of you remember the movie The Blob? Everything that it started out just small, 
But everything that got in its way, it consumed and it got bigger. Come here a minute. So all of a sudden, you know, it's like, it's like it starts out like me and then it turns into him and then it, then it get bigger. I'm out of luck right now. Okay. Okay. So it, it get bigger. Everybody go like this. Ugh. You need to go ahead. Go. Ugh. You, you, you need to get something in you that resonates in your heart and sounds off and makes you. Years ago when Jonathan was just a little guy, I said, come here. I said, look in here. He, he goes and he looks in my mouth like this. And when he looked in my mouth, I went. His eyes got big. I said, you know what that is? He said, no. I said, daddy's got a tiger in his tank. It's actually a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You know what he did? He looked at me and he said, come here. He said, I got tiger in my tank too. I'm telling you, this world needs to see the church standing up in power, not wringing our hands, but lifting our hands because God is getting ready to do it. Everybody say it with me. God's going to do it. Okay, now stay here. Uh, no, no, not yet. Just come up here. Get ready. Get wherever you feel comfortable at. This is Hebrews 12, 25, 29. I want the praise team to run up here real quick. Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. So don't turn a deaf ear to these precious words. I mean, to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time. Everybody say this time. I get excited about this. This time, he's told us quite plainly, he'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning. Get rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to be burned, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. Everybody say fire. We're getting ready to do something. If they would, I want you to throw that uh, five-minute countdown up for me. I want everybody to stand where you're at. I talk about this, but see, here's the thing. Just talking isn't enough, is it? Like you can talk about, okay, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mow the yard. And you can talk about it all day long, but if you don't crank the mower up, nothing's happening. So for the next five minutes, when we, when we start, when I say go, for the next five minutes, we're going to give a cry out to God in worship. We're crying out for our families, for this nation, for this world. We're crying out for God to have his way. We're crying out that God will use us. Everybody say me. Say, I want God to use me. Do you believe he's big enough to do it? No, no, really, do you believe that God's big enough to use you? All right, for the, next, for the next five minutes, we're getting, now look, while you're worshiping God, for five minutes, everybody say, give me five. You can give me five today. While we're worshiping God for the next five minutes, you worship in your own way. I mean, I, but I want, I want some noise. Somebody said, well, I just kind of worship quietly. Well, that's fine. Just clap your hands if you worship quietly. But make some noise in this house. Somebody said, well, God ain't hard of hearing. He ain't nervous either. So make some noise in this house. We're going to worship. He's going to blow the horn. 
they're going to sing we're going to praise God and we're believing that we're going to hit the sound that starts shaking things up how many of you are ready for a shake-up are you ready for it all right you ready let's go hit the clock thank you father God we worship you we magnify you Lord God we glorify you father thank you Jesus thank you we worship you father we glorify your name God move in this house father Lord move in each heart God I'm asking you in Jesus name Lord right now to pour out your spirit on this place father apprehend every family God turn them for you Lord, turn every rebellious son and daughter back to you. Every mom and dad, let them experience their sal the salvation of their household. I ask you, Father, Lord, to break in, God, and break strongholds. Lord, break down strongholds of alcohol and drugs. God, pornography. God, break them. Lord, destroy them from all of our lives. God, show yourself real. Lord, we worship and magnify
but we need to do it out there. So this is this is why I'm, I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to I, I'm going to let you go. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Look, I don't know. Was it last week or week before? There was a young lady that came in here. Is she here? Becca, is she here? Where are you? Come, come up here just a second if you would. I didn't know this. She she came up. What, how long has it been? Two, three, two weeks ago. Becca came up and. The Lord spoke to me, and I started talking. I could, honestly, goodness, I can't remember what I told her, but she she said I knew that God. That I mean, she gave her heart to the Lord right there. Is that right? I was eight years old. You were eight years old. So, and you've been through a, a bunch of stuff, right? And then that Sunday, it was like God reaffirmed to you. had everything I needed inside of me, but it was jumbled up like a bowl of alphabet soup. And you spoke over me that morning saying it was about to clear up. And I'm telling you, brother, it's clearing up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give my hands a of Thank you, Lord. And that was the first time in my entire life, even though I've been a Christian since eight years old, that I was slain in the spirit. And first time in her life. You know, I'd, I'd never been around the presence of God or the Spirit of God. And when he apprehended me, I mean, people thought I'd lost my mind, man. I wasn't so sure I hadn't. <laughs> because he, he, he just apprehended me in such a powerful way. But how many of you know that when God touches you, something's going to happen? That's right. Yeah. I mean, you may cry. You may laugh. You, you may shake. You may fall. We're not looking for that. Right. We're looking for him. And when he shows up, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. God bless you. Thank you. So, so this, is what, this is what I want to instruct. This is what I want to tell you. Look, I, I understand that sometimes you get to a place and you think, well, how do, I, how do I shake things up? How do I with my praise? You know, because sometimes, you know, when you raise your hands, how many times have you ever been to a place where it felt like words just quit coming? You know, and, and you're, you're wanting to praise and you're trying to praise, but sometimes you've got to break through that ceiling. I want to give you a secret, but it's in Scripture. Do what the seraphim did. Just start saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is God. And I'm telling you, the devil can't stand it. That's why he fights so hard, you worship, he fights your prayers because he knows that when you praise, when you worship, when you sing, it starts shaking things up. How many of you ready for the shake up? Amen. Let me stretch your hands. Look, if you're here and you've got a need, I want to pray for you before you go. But I just want to pray for you before you leave today. Stretch your hands out. Father, I'm asking you to... Give us direction on what you want us to do. God, I know you want us to be an active part of what's happening in this world. And I'm not concerned about men or even nations because you declared that nations are as a drop in the bucket. And God, you're going to clean things up. So Father, I'm just asking now that as we begin to experience the shaking of man, that we overpower it with the shaking of God. Lord, that we will not fear, we will not falter, we will not fail, but we'll stand in faith and declare your goodness and your grace. Help us to get the gospel out. Help us, give us a voice, God, that's not fearful. Father, put it in us to shout it out. Because when people are apprehended by your presence, it changes everything. We give you praise for that now in Jesus' name. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. You go out, go out knowing that you're commissioned, that you've got a purpose, God's got a plan, and he's going to use you. If you've got a need, I want you to come now. We want to pray for you. We love you guys.